Bonjour and hello. My name is Dusty Rhodes and you're welcome to the Mimosa Matters Winning Against Cancer podcast, a short series where people around us or connected with Mimosa Matters share their stories. Today, we're speaking with Gillian, who started a whole new life after divorce with a move to France. Once she was set up in the system, she answered a simple and fairly standard invitation for a screening test, which brought her in a direction she had never considered. I started our conversation by asking Gillian, was she a long time in France? Well, I'm not actually a long time resident, but I've certainly been coming here for a long time. My late father loved the area as well. And my very first visit to the area was when I was two years of age. And I'm not telling you exactly how many years ago that was. And, <laughs> and we stayed at the Joana in joan les pins And I believe that the hotel's still there, weirdly. Um, and I traveled here again with my parents. And as I say, my father always loved it. He always wanted to buy a place down here. But my mother was always a little anxious about it, and he never actually made the move. Um, when I met my husband, he loved this area too, and we started coming down here regularly. Our dream was to retire down here. So when we divorced, I thought I'd lost that dream, but I've done it for myself. But listen, so uh, Grant, so Joanna Pan, and you've been down, you've been here practically all your life, in and out, and making trips and stuff like that. And then um, when you found yourself on your own again, you went, well, what am I going to do now? (laughs) (laughs) It was when I was selling the big house, and I was about to put a lot of money into a flat in northwest London. And I looked at it, and I thought, is this what I really want? And I realized that it probably wasn't. So instead of buying a big flat in northwest London, I bought a small flat in northwest London and wound up with my home here, which has become, if you like, a family home where it would be if it weren't for COVID because my kids visit when they can and it's a bit of a family hub. And, and I chose Barcelona because I already knew people here because this is where we rented for years and years for holidays. And... How would you describe the community down here from from your own point of view? I think it's a lovely community. Um, I've made very good friends among the community here. I just feel very comfortable here. It's my happy place. And do you speak French? I do. Oh, you're going to tell me now that you speak fluently as well, don't you? No, not completely fluently, but I can certainly get by. I'm not bad. I'm not bad. I would never claim to be <laughs> absolutely fluent, but uh, I, I do speak French, yes. So listen, tell me, um, because I don't know the timeline of your story. Okay. Uh, when, you, when you got your diagnosis, were you back in the UK or were you no, here? No, 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 no. I was already here. I bought this house at the end of 2013, um, but I guess I've been here permanent. I didn't move permanently straight away, but when I did, I set up my little business and uh, got into the system and um, well, I uh, got my social security number and all of that, Carpetal, everything, da, da, all went smoothly, all went nicely. And one of the first things I got when they, I was comfortably in the system was an invitation to have a mammogram as part of the French screening system. 
So I thought, yeah, I ought to do this. So off I went, off I trotted to uh, the local radiology office uh, in Graz, where they're very, very nice. And I had my mammogram and they did an echography as well. And they said, there's something there. Doesn't seem to be much of anything, but can you come back in four months and we'll check it out? Yeah, yeah, I thought, no problem. Not actually worrying about it. I had no worries about it whatsoever because I'd actually had an issue some years before where it turned out to be just fibrous tissue. And I thought, oh, they've picked that up again. Yeah. So I made the appointment for four months' time, duly went on with my life, traveling back and forth between here and London, seeing my mum and, you know, kids coming, friends coming, etc. And then mid-July, I went for a second mammogram and they went, mm, can you come for a biopsy? Uh, yes, I said, when, thinking, oh, they're going to say two weeks time. And they said, tomorrow. Uh, sure. Okay, yes. So I went along for the biopsy, which isn't the most comfortable procedure on the planet. Quite frankly, it's a punch biopsy. And, you know, they, it's a large needle. They have to extract a, a sample of the mass that they found. Um, and they said, oh, we'll have your results in a couple of weeks' time. Make an appointment to see the doctor. So I did. And by this time, I'm already thinking, yeah, there, there's maybe something there after all. But maybe it's still just fibrous tissue and I don't need to worry. Um, so August the 12th, that was that was the date. Um, I went to see the specialist radiologist at the Clinique du Palais in Grasse. And he said, uh, sorry to tell you, but you do have breast cancer. And he said, um, but what's good news is that if you have to have breast cancer, you've got the best one. I'm thinking, is there actually a difference? But it turns out that there is. There are vari variants. And the one I had is apparently I responsive to the hormone treatment afterwards and uh, easily managed and easily cured. And they caught it because I went for that mammogram. They caught it at a very, very early stage. Was the doctor really that blunt when he just like looked at you and went, You've got breast cancer. Did he lead up to it or did he just come straight out with it? Well, he kind of led up to it. Yeah, you know, he said, well, I'm, I'm sorry yeah. I have to tell you this as well as ever. But ah. I, I, he was very, very kind. He was straightforward, but he was nice about it. So I, I couldn't complain about that. So you had all of these thoughts in the back of your head and you're mm -hmm. sitting in the doctor's office and yep. he's leading you up to this yep. and then bam comes the sentence. Yes. Firstly, what was in your head and secondly, what was in your heart? I honestly wasn't completely surprised because of what it, because I'd had the biopsy and when you have a biopsy, you generally think, oh yes, there's probably something there. Um, yes, it it's like being kicked in the chest when somebody says to you, you've got cancer, however nicely they say it. Um, so, yes, I was fairly stunned, but he was reassuring in what he said about it being an easy cancer to treat. He was very kind. He recommended the loveliest surgeon um, 
and she was absolutely fantastic. Um, and um, what was in my heart? How am I going to tell the kids, mainly? And how uh, did you tell them? I, I called up. Um, I called up my daughter, and I said, "You know, I had that mammogram. Yes, mum. You know, they set, called me back for another one. Yes, mum. Well, I've got breast cancer, but it's at a very early stage, and it's very true. I made sure that they understood that it was a very, very early stage, thanks to the thanks to the screening program and the fact that I actually took up the offer, and that it was going to be very easily treatable." Didn't stop my younger one from falling apart a bit, um, but my older child is 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 very practical, and she kind of pulled him pulled him round. And in actual fact, afterwards, my younger one came out here and was with me for a couple of weeks. So your daughter and son are living away. They live in London. And, okay, uh, so were you here on your own with with just friends? Yes. And who did you tell here? Um, my, my very oldest friend here, Susie, uh, who I've known for, oh, 20 years or more. Um, and another, a mutual friend of ours had had a similar incident some years before. So she was very reassuring about it. Another friend had had a similar incident, but unfortunately it was later. So she had to have chemotherapy as well. Um, but I was very, very fortunate in that I, it was discovered early so that I just needed the lumpectomy and radiotherapy. Now, I say just needed. Radiotherapy is not a walk in the park. Explain to me about radiotherapy. What is the process? First, the very first appointment you have, um, I had this done in Mouja at Sank, which I can never pronounce properly, but never mind. Uh, they were very, very very, very nice. I think everybody I met on this journey was very, very compassionate. I had an absolutely lovely oncologist at uh, Zank, and uh, the radiologists there were just charming and very, very reassuring. The first appointment you have for radiology, for radiotherapy, they make markers, locators. And they use, a, I have still got them, obviously. It's a form of tattoo. They're a very tiny pinpoint tattoo, and there's four of them, so that they locate the right spot. And it's all very, very carefully calibrated and all very, very precisely done. Um, and afterwards, I, I, I would go, it's every day, every weekday, and um, I was given transport, which a transport ordinance, which was really, really kind because you tend to get very tired. Um, and it, it's, it would be the same process every day. You go, you check in, you remove the top half of your clothing, um, and they. It's a very, it's very short. It doesn't take very long at all. It's just, it's just about two or three bursts aimed from the particular machine to the particular spot. Uh, and then you go home. <laughs> you know, it took half an hour to get there, half an hour to get back, and ten minutes in between. And even though it was so quickly, it would still take it out of you? It does, yes. 
it does. It does. It does tire you. Um, and I'm not going to lie, it's not comfortable because as the process continues, I had to have either 15 or 16 sessions, and I know some people have more than 30. Um, but again, as I say, because it was such an early stage discovery, I probably had about the minimum level of treatment that anyone needs, and I consider myself very lucky for that. Um, you know, as it, as it continues, you do get a lot of soreness. The skin does burn. It can't be helped. It's radiation, and it really is not very comfortable. On the plus side, because, <laughs> because I had the peeling of the skin from the radiation, my scar disappeared very, very quickly. It almost disappeared. <laughs> so, you know, you've got to look for the positive in everything, Dusty, right? <laughs> Absolutely. What <laughs> other treatments then did you have, Jilly? I had the surgery. So I had the lumpectomy and slight reconstruction. And they removed two lymph nodes as well, which had to be checked. Um, there were other... Uh, uh, there was also a... Um, a PET scan, and there was also um, oh, there was another scan. I can't remember the name of it, but they they scanned the gang the, the lymph nodes to make sure that uh, yeah, okay, I'll try to remember. <laughs> they scan the lymph nodes um, to see how they're doing, and then they also remove a couple when they, so that when they do the pathology on the mm. mass, they also check that the lymph nodes are okay. My lymph nodes were fine, so there was no spread. It was literally contained to the tumour. Am I right in thinking that as you were going through all of this treatment, you were living on your own? Yes. How did you, how did you manage with that, just with life? Well, I have good friends here. Uh, I'm lucky in that. I'm constantly in touch with my family in the UK. Um, and I was also reassured that uh, I was going to be okay coming out of it the other side, you know, but mm. that this had been found early and it was eminently treatable and eminently responsive to treatment and uh, there wouldn't be a problem. My One of my closest friends came to stay with me for a week just before I went in for surgery. Um, and my cousin stayed with me for a week while I was in hospital. So I did have some company. And the nurses came in pretty much every day. A, lo a local friend came in most days to make sure that I was okay and to help me out. The nurses came to do those um, anticoagulant injections and to change the dressing. And they were they were all lovely. So, you know, it all went fine. And then my son came, my cousin had gone, I think the day after I had my surgery, and my son came about a week after that, and he and his partner came for about 10 days, um, and having them there was absolutely lovely, that really was, uh, but having that support, it was meant to be their summer holiday, it turned out to be helping mummy. But apart from that, yeah, you know, the rest, the rest of the journey with the radiotherapy later in the year and everything, I was, uh, uh, it was friends who supported me here. 
So how long did the entire process of treatment take? Um, I had the surgery on the 12th of September. My last radiotherapy treatment was on, I think, the 16th or the 17th of December. So it was about three months. And then I returned to the um, oncologist and he prescribed the, well, they call it hormone therapy here, but it's, uh, it's a kind of oral chemo hormone therapy. It's called letrozole. It's very similar to tamoxifen, but uh, it's the one that's used in uh, postmenopausal women. And I have to take that for five years, and that's a preventative measure, really. And you're happy to do it, needless to say. Oh, totally. I mean, a lot of people warned me that you can get unpleasant side effects with it, but thankfully I haven't. I've, I've seem to have escaped most of them. And uh, a week after my last radiotherapy appointment, I was on a plane to London to celebrate the birth of my grandson. There you go. It's ups and downs, isn't it? <laughs> uh, well, I think for most people, at least the past year, probably the past year and a half, has been quite a roller coaster. Hmm. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So, listen, where where are you now? Then, in the have have you received an all clear? There is no that you don't get an all clear until five years, until you've had five years on this. Uh, letrozole is the name of the drug. Um. However, I have had a number of follow-ups. I've had another mammogram. I'm due for another one in May. I have to have a mammogram every year, see the surgeon every year and the oncologist every year for this five-year period to keep me under review to make sure that there's no recurrence. They don't expect there to be, and I don't expect there to be. So, you know, it's just something in my calendar for now. Is it something in your calendar or is there always something in the back of your mind? I mean, do you think about it every day or no. have you moved on? No, I don't really think about it every day. I mean, you know, I take the tablet every morning and it's just the tablet that I take every morning. Um, some days I get a twinge where the scar was. Some days, you know, it's a little bit, just feels a little bit uncomfortable, but that's less and less the more and more time passes. It takes, they say, about a year for everything to calm down after you've had radiotherapy. So, you know, it's gradually got better and better. And I feel obviously better in myself and I feel very positive about it um, and very much reassured that I've been I've had the correct treatment, that I'm on the right track and that I don't need to worry about it, really. Can I ask you, Julie, do you think that the experience has changed your outlook on life? Um, I think probably in a way, yes, in that I am probably more, I would probably say, I don't think the word adventurous is right, but I think more go for it, Do if you understand my meaning. Um, you know, don't. Had there not been COVID, this year would have been a very, very different one for me. There were all different kinds of plans. There were all different things that I was going to do, things that I may not have contemplated doing 
if I didn't have the attitude of right, I've got to, I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to make. I've always been a fairly positive person, and I've always wanted to get them get enjoy life. You know, listen to the birds, the blue sky, find something positive, a small piece of joy in every day. Do you understand what I mean? Okay, but I think I mean I think I'm even worse now. <laughs> I think I'm so irritatingly positive. <laughs> Nobody wants to talk to me very much. I tell you something, what other way is there to be? You can go one of two ways. You can either go, I'm going to get through this, or you can go, oh, woe is me. And really, why would you want to do that? It's my view. But and I, I, I know a lot of people find it very, very overwhelming. And I, I know I can only speak for my own situation. And I know that, unfortunately, Many people are diagnosed when it's very late. And I know in that circumstance, it must be extraordinarily difficult to be positive. But for me, as I say, I will say it again, I know that I'm lucky. So what kind of, what's the one piece of advice you give people when you tell them your story? Have the bloody mammogram. Don't put it off. Because I'll tell you why. The tumour was very deep within my left breast. There was no way, with every amount of self-checking, and every woman does it, that I would have found it until it was at a much, much later stage. It was only picked up because I went to have that mammogram. So my first piece of advice is go and have the mammogram. If you're offered it, do it. And a great piece of advice and a good positive note to wrap up on as well. Okay. Uh, Jilly, thank you so much for sharing your story. That's my pleasure, Dusty. Lovely to talk to you. Our story today is brought to you by Mimosa Matters, an association of people from all over Europe who have chosen to base themselves on the French Riviera and who want to give back to the local community which has embraced them. For more information about the association and their work to fight cancer in the south of France, go to their website, mimosamatters.org. Until next time, from myself, Dusty Rhodes, thank you for listening. Stay safe and take care. Bye.